you're like so gay. You're like so fucking gay, Aaron. Oh my god, I can't believe you would say that to me. Do you really think so? Yeah, I know so. It was a compliment. <laughs> Thanks, sis. <laughs> Hi, all you sexual uh, deviants. And sexual deviant wannabes. Welcome back to Queering the Air with, with us. me. <laughs> no, just me. No. Yep, bye. Okay, this is the end of my recording. Thank God. All right. Now that this podcast is finally what I wanted it to be. Oh, my um, God. As <laughs> if. I You'd would be, be nothing, nothing without me. <laughs> Thank you. Christ almighty, I, like, barely talked to you all week, and we still can't come up with a single original thought. <laughs> <laughs> Truly. Ugh. Is it still, like, 600 degrees there? Yeah, it is. It's hot. We finally turned on our air conditioning, and it's been on pretty much all week. So, so just as you feared, literally uploaded that episode. And then the second we uploaded it, Hayden and I were like, it's got to go on. Like, (laughs) and it's been so nice. It's been so nice. I also have just been like hiding in my apartment for like a week, basically. Have you guys not been hit with any? Because there's a lot of uh, rolling blackouts in LA right now, right? No, I didn't blackout. What are you talking about? (laughs) What do you mean? (laughs) Rolling blackouts? yeah, like power outages. Oh, like, yes. I've never heard the term rolling blackouts. Look, I didn't make it up. Someone Unless else Unless you're, it. like, taking Molly and then you just don't remember things for a little bit. That's a rolling blackout, right? Can I say that on the podcast? You can say whatever you want. You edit it. True. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I thought I heard that on, like, the news or something, maybe. I mean, maybe. I just, I don't know. Um, yes, there have been power outages throughout California, but I have not experienced any, luckily. Dude, what's going on? I cannot believe it's been a week already since we uploaded a fucking I episode. I feel like we published it yesterday. <laughs> like, I know. I feel like it was like 20 minutes ago that everyone was like, oh my god, faith is amazing. And I was like, yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, I did get a few DMs today that still were like, oh, she's great. And I was like, I know, right? <laughs> I hope people just like keep listening to that episode and just keep reminding us of how awesome she is and everyone before her yeah that of course i really think that we've picked some great people so far i do you know what we have kudos to us (laughs) i just i just love that even everybody that's listened to like jack's episode has been like he was actually really smart (laughs) i'm like like, i know right (laughs) The the surprise i'm like yeah he is. <laughs> oh. Just because his social media might not make you think that. He's got it in there somewhere. When he lets it's it when he lets away. it shine through. Yeah. He's like, I can't mm-hmm. let the world know that I'm smart. Gay is okay, but smart? No. Never. The two definitely don't go hand in hand, so No. Not at all. I don't know how school been. Oh uh, anyway, by the time you guys hear this episode, which is honestly like I don't know, 14 hours away from (laughs) recording this. School's been pretty good so far, actually. I'm really enjoying all my classes, but I think part of that also has to do with the fact that most of it is just review of things I've already learned. So Mm. it's a lot easier to read things and learn about things if you already have read and learned them before. True. So (laughs) That is true. So honestly, on those concepts, I feel like I'm doubly as smart because I learned them once and now I'm relearning them. Well, not relearning them, but being reminded of them. Refreshing. Yeah, refreshing. Now I'm starting to get into stuff I haven't learned before and 
naturally it's gotten a bit harder who would have seen this coming (laughs) but um no it's cool i like have never actually been able to ask questions the way that i'm asking them now and i think it's surprising how much having like one year and an internship under your belt does like i just feel like i know how to do school and i'm like learning much better or able to like do class so much better now i still don't have a job for next summer and I would like one of those, but I actually don't really know any of my, fr- I've got one friend who does, but I don't think anybody else does. That's like really stressful to think about because that's so far. We're still in summer. Well, I would like a job for next summer. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you would. I just don't like that. That's how the way the world works for you. <laughs> like, Yeah. Well, COVID really kind of threw everything off in that like a lot of people would probably have jobs for next summer by now already, but because like we didn't even have a full year's worth of grades, most like hiring all got pushed back like a full semester that makes sense i can't imagine any of our listeners care about this maybe like two christ <laughs> but how have how's it been going back to work good so i i am surprised to hear that as an answer <laughs> yeah um well i mean here's the thing i came back from that break of work and i actually like talked to my boss and he kind of was like oh you've been working really hard for five months alone so like I'm gonna give you like a little bit of a break so since I got back I've I also I also did have to quarantine while coming back because I flew across the country so I was like hey I should probably not go into the office like right when I get back and he was like you're right you should quarantine so (laughs) responsible decision making I I like it and I got tested again for COVID today with Hayden because we're going up to San Francisco Thursday so, but I'll get into Are that. Are you guys driving? Yeah. Coming back, I had to quarantine for two weeks, and my boss was like, you've been working really hard. I'm going to give you, like, a little bit of a break because you've earned it, which has been really nice. So I have been doing less for my actual job, doing just, like, a few work-from-home tasks here and there, um, and then doing a lot of, like, freelance work, which has been really fun and really rewarding and has made me happy. <laughs> oh, good. Uh, I'm so happy to hear that. Yes, sis. Lots of Photoshop shoots. Lots of social media work. I don't even think I've told you this because we haven't really talked that much in the past month. I haven't talked to fucking anybody. <laughs> oh, I'm not special. <laughs> no, you're not. No, I'm just, um, no, you're right. It's been... But, it's weird, like, doing this podcast and, like, talking so much about this. It's kind of like, wait a second, we're also friends. Well, it just kind of reminds me of, like, when people would watch my vlogs and they'd be like, oh, I don't need to, like, ask you how you're doing because like I watch your videos so like I know how your life is going and I'm like well no that's not really like correct in any way shape or form like listening to my podcast isn't actually a very (laughs) insightful thing into my life but (laughs) (laughs) I'm doing social media for this art this like art center up in San Francisco Um, they hired me as a freelance person to do their social media and help with like video production and stuff so I'm going up because we have a big art opening this weekend where we brought together 22 female and non-binary artists to reflect on the 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment because Wednesday, tomorrow, for everybody listening to this, Wednesday the 26th is 100 years since the the 19th Amendment passed, which granted women the right to vote. Um, White women. Yes, I was going to get to that. (laughs) Oh, okay. Okay. So this art opening essentially was bringing together 22 artists to kind of reflect on how kind of reflect on how in America people are like, oh yeah, 
it's so great. A hundred years ago, women got the right to vote. And it's like, well, eh. like some Let's people got the right to vote. <laughs> and it's like a lot of people were like written out of the history books and like most minority identities who were actually kind of pioneering the fight, like didn't get the right to vote for another like 40 years. And then so it's very checkered. So it, it was like it's been really cool because this it's really cool to work on something where I feel like it's actually like important. <laughs> You know what I mean? Where I'm like, oh, I'm working on this. And I'm like, it actually feels like this is something that needs to be talked about a little bit more. Because um, I knew nothing about it, really. Into, I I mean, I just hadn't really ever thought about it. Because, you know, I... Like, I mean, you, you knew the basics. Kind of. I knew that the 19th Amendment gave women the right to vote. But, like, I didn't really know that much further than that. Because I feel like in, like, our history textbooks, it was just pictures of, like, those white women in, like, their pretty dresses with the signs being like, let me vote. And then it's like, I feel like I was taught that it was just, okay, you can vote now. You know? (laughs) And that's not what it was. (laughs) Your U.S. history growing up was whitewashed? I can't believe that. In America? Crazy. The beacon of truth and freedom. In this Christian household? Never. (laughs) So that's been something that I've been working on. If anybody wants to check it out... The well, I mean, what also is really cool, in my opinion, is because of COVID, this traditional art opening is now also kind of like an online exhibition in addition to the in-person exhibition, which I like because now anybody can oh, look at it and it's free and it's cool. And it's uh, the art. The, the art is amazing. It, they got really, really incredible artists to come together for it. So um, it's hate art, H-A-I-G-H-T-A-R-T dot org dash X-I-X. And that website goes live on the 26th. What does, what does dash XIX do? Um, it's the landing page. It's 19, Roman numeral 19. I don't, I'm not going to pretend to know anything about URLs. Okay, I'll put it in the description of this episode as well. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no. Like, I, I understand like, <laughs> That's like, what's what a you're dash? saying. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm saying like, I know, like, .com and .org and, like, .co.uk, but, okay, like... Okay, sorry. .org backslash XIX. Oh, I'm thinking, like, straight line across dash. dash. Sorry. So, apparently, neither of us know URLs. <laughs> Case you're and technology? A, a, no. <laughs> In this economy? If no. you uh, If you know how to code hit us up it's probably like a valuable skill but it's not never gonna help me in my life okay well i tried to do that freshman year because brett was like you should take a coding class and i was like okay god so i remember i I tried to take intro to comp sci because i was told by everybody at tufts that it would like make me a more valuable asset to every single company which is fully true like obviously having a basis of coding will help you anywhere in the 21st century but it's so... My brain doesn't work like that. I apologize. I bet my brain doesn't work like that either. I haven't even tried. Yeah, but I would just get frustrated with, like... Because isn't all, like, tiny little details? Like, you missed a comma. Yes. And you're, like, 800 lines. Or you put a dash instead of a backslash, and it's, like, failed. Oh, and you're, like, uh oh. I'm going to work for a judge this semester, so... Is it Judge Judy? Is it Judge no, Trudy? It's, it's Judge Lynn Toller, Miss Girl. Miss Girl. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that would be iconic for like going into family law, worked in the divorce Ms. court. Miss Toller. <laughs> Can I be a law clerk for Judge Lynn Toller? I still think I would rather go for Judge Trudy. Do you is know that from that the is? Amanda show? Yes, bringing the dancing lobsters. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You know what? That's my new. Uh, that's my new law. <laughs> this 
dismissed. <laughs> Can I just be a dancing lobster? Like, oh my god, we should get dancing lobster costumes and do the WAP dance in it. Goodbye. Break the <laughs> internet. <laughs> Can I be the one who? What was her name? The one that had the bowl cut and was like stalking yes, Amanda. Who's obsessed with Amanda? Okay, when I was younger, What's I fully name? thought that she was a Penelope. Penelope Tate. Penelope Taint. Taint? No. <laughs> Maybe? Wait, what was her last name? I'm gonna need a spelling check, please. <laughs> if her name was Penelope Taint, iconic. Uh, <laughs> did you think that they were different people when you were younger? Oh, fully. Yeah, Absolutely. I fully thought that they, they had were different people. Fooled. I'm not claiming to have been a smart child. <laughs> Should we get into the episode? All right. Yeah, do you, wanna, do you wanna intro this episode and tell us what's happening here? What's yeah, going on, sure. Matthew? I think it was really funny, for sure. Um, yes. I, it, I never anticipated it was going to take the path that it did. Oh, and me I'm either. And I'm so glad. I am so... I, can't, I never would have guessed I would have ever heard the things that I heard in my entire life. So we're talking to Ari so, in this episode, who Matt knows from law school. Yes. And, which I think you mentioned in the episode, but yeah, just yeah, to preface yeah, it. Yeah. Super cool. So awesome. She is a Tejana from El Paso. I know my accent is terrible. Yeah, you're a white boy from don't. Westchester. It's fine. I know, you don't. <laughs> Ari is also one of the most brilliant people that I've talked to probably throughout quarantine. Like, she was, I am I feel like I was really quiet throughout this episode because I was, like, just listening to her and I was like, I have nothing to add. Like, I was like, I cannot keep up with her brain. Like, it's, she's impressive. She's she's quite impressive. You're you're very right. Um, I think we made that pretty abundantly clear in the episode two that we're like, yeah, we <laughs> take are, the lead, girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, we are not from the same intellectual ring. <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> it's fun because we were like friendly acquaintances this semester. Like, definitely would have become like better friends. I think had we not gone remote for because of COVID. But like, oh yeah. I totally feel like as soon as we go back, like I'm gonna feel like I feel like I'm gonna be much better friends with her, which I'm super excited for. I can't wait to come visit. Also, wait, interjection. Isn't it insane that a year ago today I was visiting you and staying oh my with God, you in that's Atlanta? Right. Is yeah. that weird? A year ago today, everybody listening, I was driving across the country to move to LA with my friend Ashling, and on our way across, we stayed with Matt, like before he had started his first. You hadn't, or were you like a week in? It was a weekend, yeah. We had fun. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good time. And that was like when we fully were like, we're making a podcast because we were talking to Michelle. Yeah, that's Michelle right. And, we floated the and idea. Everybody, and we were like, we're going to make a podcast. And Kira was like, do it. Shout out to Ashling. Shout out to Michelle. <laughs> shout out to Kira. Never forgetting where we came from. <laughs> uh huh. All right. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. It was a lot of fun. Um, if you. Yes feel like there are things that we talked about that you don't really understand yes or needs even like need guidance and looking up please reach out definitely hit, hit dm me. us okay yeah. anyways <laughs> the dangly thing in the back of my throat <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh god all right we need to end this now <laughs> enjoy guys bye well i guess it's not bye it's just bye enjoy, enjoy. Yeah. segue yeah. <laughs> transition noise Hello, everyone. <laughs> What's Hello. up? What's going on? How are on? we? Today, we are joined by my lovely classmate. Do you prefer Ari or Ariana? Ari's great. Yeah. Okay. 
We've been in enough fam law classes together. You can call me Ari. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Thank you for joining us. We're really, really excited to chat with you today. All right. First things first. What are your pronouns? Uh, she, her. Beautiful. And... You know, who are you? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, so I'm Ari. I am a law student. Um, I am creative director of this organization called Mujeristas Collective, which is a Latin American womanist uh, art collective. Um, I, Before I came to law school, I was a journalist. Um, I was living in Queens. I wrote for the Queens Chronicle. Um, and yeah, and then I kind of wanted to be able to do more mm-hmm. and that's where law school came in. Oh, that's awesome. Wait, that's so Thank cool. You. I did not realize that. How old are you? Um, I'm 23, going to turn 24 on the 30th. Oh my gosh. So did you Happy just... Happy birthday! <laughs> oh yeah. So yeah, did I'm you just take one year off after college? Yes, I took one year off. Okay. Um, I went home and instead of like trying to do all my extracurriculars and everything while applying to law school, I was like, you know what, let me just take a year off. I can like live at home for a bit, relearn my city as an adult. Um, And I'm really glad I did that. So I'm from El Paso, Texas, um, which is actually, it's a really cool border city. Um, There has been a lot, it's been in the news pretty frequently recently after the shooting, there was like a white supremacist shooting at a Walmart, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. You know, with, with all the shootings we have, I know it kind of gets lost in the in the news, but yeah, unfortunately. But and are you Mexican American? Yes, I'm Mexican American. Where'd you go for? So you studied journalism in undergrad, then? Yes, I did. I went to St. John's in Queens. Okay. Um, yeah, and it was a pretty yeah. The department there was pretty like hands on. It was more like you learn outside of the classroom type of thing, which was great, like getting internships and experience and all that. So that's super cool. That is cool. Thank you. What did you tend to like write about? What was your, what's the word? Your. My beat. Um, your beat, so I was, yes. Yeah, I was, <laughs> so I did a lot of news stuff, like hard news reporting. Um, I did do, I kind of, I kind of did a, a little bit of everything. I did some feature writing, usually political stuff. Um, but I also did like fun little, like kind of like movie reviews sometimes, like entertainment stuff. Um, I kind of like to do everything. I did only write one sports article and I was incredibly proud of that one sports article. I'm, I'm proud <laughs> I was of you. Like, I was I like, I did too. it. <laughs> it's like, I did it. I, no one can I wouldn't say have I been able to. It. Yeah. <laughs> it's so hard. They have, like, it's its own language. Like, <laughs> athletes, trying to interview athletes, like, they have, oh like, I'm, I'm not trying to, like, stereotype athletes or anything, but, like, trying to get, like, answers out of them because I think they're used to, like, showing what they do yes. instead of talking mm-hmm. about it. So it was like, yes. but... Like, more that. than one word please yeah like, like please just tell me like i'd be like well how was your experience you know working with this coach and i remember like they, they were just like oh it was good please give me more uh, <laughs> so something that i have actually always really wanted to ask you about ever since um ever since the first time i laid eyes on you <laughs> for our listeners who obviously are only just listening and they can't see ari has a shaved head Oh my God. I do, yes. It's very freeing. I can only imagine, you know, as a cisgender woman who's clearly like fucking with people's, with everyday people's idea of like gender norm, as someone who so obviously bends the gender norms and expectations, I don't even know. I just want to hear what, you know, what made you want to do that? What has it been like since? 
When yeah. did you do it? Is it yeah, recent? Yeah, let's start with that. Um, so I, I shaved my head actually for the first time pretty recently. It was back, I think, in late April, late May. Oh, mm-hmm. time it was quarantine. Quarantine. Yeah, quarantine time, activity. Yeah, truly a quarantine activity. But it's funny because I did actually. Um, so I cut my hair. Like I went from having you know long hair to having, I guess you would call it like a pixie cut or like a boy cut. Mm-hmm. I cut it when I was fourteen. Um, oh, okay. And I just never grew it out. Um, after that and I think it's partially because I looked better with it um, partially because I think I was kind of uh, not really happy with the ideals of like femininity that are really pushed onto girls Um, and my mom is pretty my mom's like kind of like a she was like she was like a cheerleader and a model and she kind of like you know the way moms kind of push these feminine ideals onto their daughters especially and I kind of was I wanted to break out of that and do my own thing. I started, like, I got into punk music. I started wearing, like, Doc Martens. Um, and then I was like, you know what? I'm going to cut my hair. Like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to just bite the bullet. And I did, and I just never looked back. And it's funny because I didn't really connect it to my sexuality until um, even when I was, like, kissing girls, like, in high school. I never really connected the two. Um, mm-hmm. But I guess I feel like gender uh, and sexuality... Of course, we can talk about them separately, but I do think they're very, like, intrinsically connected. So, you know, just a little. But as far as, like, perception, I remember, um, as far as, like, harassment and things go, I really haven't gotten a lot of, like, negative feedback. Um, If I do, it's usually from, like, men. Like, I remember at, like, frat parties, like, sometimes, like, men would, like, say things to me, like, you know, insinuate that, like, I'm a man or, like, I want to be a man or something like that. Um, but nothing that really stuck with me too much. So. Yeah, that's, that's, it's like those guys talking to be like, oh, what do you want to be a guy? And you're like, no, why would I ever want to be one of you? <laughs> right, no. like never, simply never. <laughs> there was actually a period of time where I felt really uncomfortable with like she, her pronouns. And I was like, I'm going to start asking my friends to like refer to me as they, them. And I don't want to be referred to as like a girl anymore. Um, that was like maybe like a year or two of that when I was around like 18, 19. Um, and then I kind of was like, I got more into like, um, womanism and I was like, you know what, this is like kind of a political identity that I didn't ask for that. I was kind of like, uh, it was assigned to me after I was born and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm like a part of this, like this is something that affects me. And so like when I go out into the world, I am perceived as a woman, even though not necessarily a super like gender conforming one. Could you elaborate on that a little bit? I started reading feminist theory when I was like, I think around 15 or 16. I think I like, like 15. And I was kind of, you smart, know. smart, smart. Yeah, I'm really, <laughs> no, I'm really no. impressed. Yeah. <laughs> oh. um, I mostly got it, I think it was because I, I had a blog. I was on Tumblr back in the heyday of like. Oh my God, what was your URL? language. <laughs> um, so it used to be, it was, I think I started with um, Audrey Helburn. Because I really liked Audrey Hepburn. I like that. Pretty. Audrey Hepburn, that's cool. Yeah, so I was silly. Um, but thank you. But It's like um, the perfect 15-year-old, like, angst outlet. Truly, yeah. honestly, it was pretty formative to, like, getting me to, like, read theory pretty early on. Um, mm. And, like, discussing theory early on. So I am really grateful, uh, I guess, not to not to Tumblr, but, like, the people who were on there at the time for, like, getting me to think. Because there were things that I hadn't really thought about, like, even just, like, these basic things about, like, you know, like, um, why do you feel compelled to shave your legs? 
Like, why do you feel compelled to shave your armpits? Like, who started that? Where did that come from? Like, how did that develop? And yeah. so I kind of was like, you know what? You're the right. Why are we forced as women to engage in these like stupid rituals that are totally aesthetic? And who defines this aesthetic of beauty? And so started thinking about that pretty early on. And that was also like a, a part of why I even cut my hair. I kind of felt like it was this freeing thing. Um, mm -hmm. Especially as my hair is like, like you wouldn't know because you know, it's, I keep it short, but it's like super thick. It always took so much time for me to like brush it and condition it. And like, mm -hmm. I mean like any woman or anyone with long hair knows how that is. Um, and I was like pretty sick, with, sick of it. I was like, I could be using this time to like argue with people online. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, so like, I could be using this time to sleep in a little more, but that no, works too. No. <laughs> I could, yeah, like, I, I was like, I clearly have more important things to be doing here. Um, oh man, did I argue with people online? Um, but yeah, so I think uh, once I started realizing like, okay, like I am recognizing that I, that maybe I am non-binary, maybe I feel kind of compelled to this like non-binary identity to embrace that. Um, but ultimately, I found it more, I think, politically useful to continue, I guess you said it, kind of embracing this identity that was put upon me um, in terms of like, okay, yes, I am a woman. I didn't ask for this. It was assigned to me. Um, but womanhood doesn't have to be this cookie cutter sort of like, you yeah. know, set of characteristics that like a woman has to be. Um, I was super into like gender abolition for a hot minute. And like, I still think that uh, the ideal would probably be gender abolition because like the there's kind of this inherent violence and in how we separate people um, based on their genitalia, which is super arbitrary. So, I'm super yeah. down for gender abolition. Absol absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's definitely the, the ultimate goal. But then I thought um, in terms of like usefulness now uh, to kind of um, still embrace that and still like strive for that but also recognize that I am perceived as a woman. And so, you know, in that mm. sense, feminist theory and womanist theory is still really useful. Yeah, so we'll talk about that later. We'll do gender yeah, abolition sure. in a few years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> later I mean, I love, yeah, I mean, frankly, gender is, you know, not really like, oh, gender is fake because it does have real world, you know, uh, like material realities for us um, based on like what gender we're assigned. But I do think it's, I mean, I think we can all agree that it's really fucking stupid and oppressive mm -hmm. and violent. I've started to think about like classifications and gender expression and the limitations of that in our society as being something that is important, but at the same time not important. Because I know like for some like non-binary or trans people being able to have something that clearly like demarcates the way that they want to express themselves is super important but i feel like there's got to be a better way that we can do that that doesn't have the inherent violence that you were talking about that's how i've like started to kind of grapple with the idea a little bit talking about our experiences is like you know queer people are like lgbtq people part of the community i think even just like conveying that yeah, as XYZ identity, we do kind of feel these limitations and they are really uncomfortable, even if we may be like in like a sort of privileged place in terms of like where we live, like, you know, people in New York City versus somebody born in the middle of nowhere, Texas. It is useful to keep, um, I guess, examining that and to not just take things unquestioningly, 
like these things that we think about even you know what like what a gay man should be what a lesbian should be you know what a bi woman or bi man should be i think it's we really do let these kind of set cookie cutter like characteristics of like what they should be control our lives I mean, I think that's one of the most beautiful things about being queer is that like in coming into our identities, we are learning to break out of the cookie cutter in a sense and not in every way, obviously, but it definitely is worth like talking about more. And I think, um, yeah. And like I said, I, I didn't want to come off like I was being dismissive of like people who do identify as like non-binary or obviously like trans people of any sort of orientation um, I just think like for me personally, it was like, I kind of was like reading this like feminist theory and this womanist theory and kind of how it ties into this broader move for liberation, um, like global liberation, you know, when it comes from like, you know, anti-racism and like anti-imperialism, um, it all kind of, it really ties together. Um, and you really can't have one without the other type of thing. So, and so that's why I felt for me that that kind of like feminist or womanist framework was most useful for me in like my personal political life but then also like as a I guess you could say as like a political actor as like somebody who engages in like organizing and things like that so I feel like I need to like (laughs) to read a bunch of books and learn so much more before I can even like engage in conversation meaningful conversation with you I feel like your intelligence (laughs) is just like so much above me you have a 10 year (laughs) advance on us seriously No, no no definitely not I just like as I've been told many times, like, I just, like, overthink shit, and, um, I think we all all do, yeah, no, like, we all definitely do, and, like, (laughs) I won't, I'm definitely not, like, underselling, like, the importance, I guess, of, like, reading theory or whatever, I, I want to read more theory, I feel like I'm still a beginner in all this, too, you know, like, I think we're all just, like, like, I feel like every day I learn something new that I'm, like, I hadn't ever thought about that, I feel like there's kind of been this, like, in the wake of like everything that's been happening in terms of like these um, anti-police violence, like anti-white supremacist um, protests and things like that, and this outcry that, you know, like Americans are engaging in, I think like it's, there's kind of been this like movement of like, oh, you just have to read, like white people, just like read a bunch of books and like, you know, like all these educational resources. And like, that's great, but it's like, if all you're doing is reading, like, when are you ever, like, it, that's great for your own personal development, but, like, how do you then, like, how are you, if I think it's more important, like, how you apply it, or rather, like, your actions. So, like, some of the most radical people I know haven't read a whole lot of theory, but they do a lot of organizing, like, on the ground, and I really respect that. So, sorry, not to go off into a tangent, but, like, radical action, very underrated. <laughs> <laughs> do we want to back up a little bit and get a little more of your what you're willing to share of like your personal story like you know growing up yes. where you come from coming into your queer identity on yeah, a personal sure. level okay. yeah so um now I identify as a bisexual woman um but I haven't always identified as a bisexual woman for a few years there I was I was a lesbian and I was living as a lesbian really just steeping myself in like lesbian culture which I know that I'm I'm sure you guys know your fair amount of lesbians. There is this, like, sort of, like, community that, like, lesbians have that's, like, very, like, I don't know if it's... It's so strong. It's so strong. Like... It's such a strong community. It's so... It's just, like, it's really amazing. Like, this, like, solidarity and, like, 
this like womanhood, 100%. like feminism and all that stuff. And so I learned a lot. Um, and then I realized, I think maybe like a year ago that I was like, oh, wait a minute. She's still attracted to men. Um, oh, I'm so sorry. I know. It was, I was honestly, <laughs> I was in denial about it. I, my roommate at the time, Angelica, she was like telling me, she was like, she was like, Audie, like, I don't know, like this guy that you're that you're friends with, like you guys kind of have like a lot of sexual tension. And I was like, what are you talking about? How dare I'm a lesbian. you? I am a lesbian. <laughs> I am above that. How dare you? <sighs> right. Sorry, but going, I kind of got ahead of myself. But anyway, going to like, I guess, um, I guess we'll start in like high school was when I really started kissing on girls, or really they started kissing on me. Like not to. You know, not to put it on I them. It was consensual. <laughs> it was no, it was definitely consensual. You um, just but drew I them was in. Not, they couldn't resist. They just couldn't resist me. No, it was like it was more like I was so unsure of myself. I was like pretty much a late bloomer, and I was in a an all girls Catholic school. There's no such thing as a late bloomer. Everyone figures themselves out when it's right for them. You're right. No, you're so right. It's just all my friends at the time were already dating boys, and I was kind of like, you know. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I can't translate that through audio, but I was like, yeah. oh, what's going Look on down. with me? Uh. And my mom had already, like, questioned me, I think, in, like, the seventh grade. It's always a car ride when your parents ask you, right? Oh, my God. It's so true. It's You're so trapped. true. You're a captive audience. You can't escape uh, unless you ladybird it, you know, like, you, you just, you know what I'm talking Definitely. about? Where she, yeah, just roll out. I should have done that. We were on our way home, almost home, and she asked me, she was like, Adi, do you like girls? And I was scandalized. I said, Marina. Oh, my God. Your mother? Yes, my mom. (laughs) Marina! Yeah, I I didn't actually say Marina, but um, I was like, like, no. Like, I vehemently denied it. I was like, no, what are you talking about? And, like, it kind of wasn't a lie. Like, I was, like, what, 11 or 12? I wasn't attracted to anyone yet, except maybe, like, Keanu Reeves and Angelina Jolie, now that I think about it. (laughs) But, okay. um, yeah, she like asked me and I like vehemently denied it. And I was like, you know, no. And then she kind of went on this spiel about how like, you know, if you do like girls, your life is going to be a lot harder. And, you know, I just don't want your life to be hard and all this. And I was like, I don't even know what this woman is saying to me right now. Like, mm-hmm. um, I'm like 11. Um, but anyway, I'm like, let me live. I'm a child. Um, but yeah, I, uh, was actually, um, I transferred out of like public school. I like grew up going to public school. And then after sixth grade, my parents were like, all right, we're sending this girl to Catholic school. Full disclosure. I did get into an altercation with a girl. Um, it was physical. I had to be held back. Wait, this was in Catholic school or pre-Catholic school? No, pre-Catholic school. This is why I had to go to Catholic school. Oh my God. Um, If you're accepting white people when the revolution comes, let me be on your team. (laughs) (laughs) some things that arisen and um, my parents were like, you know what, we'll just send her to Catholic school. My mom went, grew up going to Catholic school. She was like, I turned out fine. So they put me in and um, it was an all girls Catholic school. And I uh, ended up going to high school there too. And I think that was really where I started kind of acting on my little girl crushes. When you turn um, me gay. Better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it turned me gay. No. Um, that was always the rumor, though, because it was like an all-girls Catholic school. There was like a funny yeah. like nickname for it. Catholic high school, all-girls. Um, and it was Mexican Catholic, which is its own sort of strain of Catholicism. It's like extra guilty. Um, extra. Oh, yeah, extra oppressive. 
am I wrong in like picturing Jane the Virgin and you know her what? just being like, "This is your flower, like don't touch it." You are not wrong at all. Like, okay. these people were wild, and they really just had <laughs> anyone teaching like the theology classes. They had really of it. all yeah. classes. You would think they would care about that one, that one the most, but huh? So does that mean that you? pretty much only went to school with other mexican american people yes um yeah so it was kind of like a mixture of some most of the girls there were what what we refer to as fresitas or fresas which are their wealthy mexican girls kind of like preppy um Mm. and they would sometimes they lived in el paso like they had another house in el paso but we are on the border, and so in the mornings, they would, like, cross over. Um, sometimes their drivers wow, would take wow. them. Yeah, they have, like, yeah, they're, like, these gated communities in Juarez um, that they would come from, and they, you know, cross over every morning, and it wasn't even a big deal. And I believe, looking back, that was uh, at least, like, 60% of the girls there. Um, and then the rest of us were just regular Mexican-Americans, like, like Tejanas. There was kind of this like clear social divide wow, <laughs> between like the fresh eyes and the rest of us. Sometimes, yes, it was it was pretty. The the more that I like think back on it, I'm like, yeah, there kind of was this clear division. Sometimes you'd be friends with like a fresa, um, sometimes they wouldn't bully you um, and make fun of your Spanish. Oh, um, <laughs> so even with the towns being well, I, even with the cities being so close together, the language is is it very different you know i don't think so i think it's more like a lot of like mexican americans like second gen third gen like me my my family's been in the united states for a long time and so like Mm -hmm. the way we interact with like our culture or our cultures are like pretty different um like my mom is a chicana she's like a california mexican american Mm -hmm. and so like even just that is super different from like tejana's um similarities but i think that like when you are Mexican, like a Mexican national, it, your experience, and you're also being wealthy too. You have a totally different experience of like Mexican culture. True. Yeah. Yeah. Just so I'm, just so I'm not getting this wrong. Tejana is like a Mexican American woman who lives in Texas. Yeah. Just like born in Texas, raised in Texas. Um, not necessarily even having to be born there, but like, you're just, you were raised there and like, like, you know, Selena, the singer, she was a Tejana. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. So just, and she didn't even speak Spanish. Right? She didn't. And see, like, that's like a pretty common thing. I know a lot of, um, like, you know, Mexican Americans, like, raised in Texas who aren't fluent in Spanish or they're more used to, like, Spanglish. Um, mm. So, yeah. And there is kind of there is kind of that divide there. Like, a lot of uh, Mexicans are kind of like, oh, well, you're not. What are you? Like, you're not Mexican because you're not one of us. And, like, your Spanish sucks. Um, so it's right. like, yeah, there's even, there's cultural tensions even like within, you know, it's oh, pretty sure. interesting. How are queer identities v- viewed in, um, like the communities that you grew up in, I guess, in the, specifically the Mexican American Texas community? Um, well, I mean, that's like I would a huge say, question yeah, and I'm yeah, sure yeah. it takes I mean, like it definitely varies by but... like, just like socioeconomic status and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like it all totally varies. I know that my family is pretty, like, Americanized, um, and so, you know, my parents aren't, like, well, actually, let me, let me, let me backtrack a little, let me back it up. Okay. Um, this is always, like, a delicate thing. Are you going to back it up for us? <laughs> back it up a little bit. This is always, like, a, it's always, like, very delicate, like, when we talk about, you know, like, homophobia and, like, different communities, because 
it really just varies even like in totally yeah it just totally like varies like by neighborhood honestly by family um but i would say that in terms of like speaking more broadly i think that you know latin america catholicism was like a huge driving force in like the colonization of latin america and so there is this very very strong um adherence to catholicism even today just like culturally Mm -hmm. um and um and this isn't everyone of course like this is mostly like uh people who were like called like mestizos which is it is a like an old-timey like racial classification that's super problematic in itself but it basically just means people who tend to be um like mixed i hate this i hate talking about race but so in like these colonized like latin american countries there is a there tends to be a strong sense of catholicism and it's like pretty broadly like culturally embraced and so you know catholicism is a i don't want to be like it's a european invention but it is this roman catholicism um you know the european strain that is you know extremely homophobic extremely anti-woman um extremely white supremacist i would even argue because it was a vehicle for white supremacy and for colonization and so Unfortunately, that that kind of attitude does persist today very commonly. You know, homophobia just comes with that. In Catholicism, it's taught is this, uh, I mean, the classic story of it being against God, against, you know. Mm -hmm. So I have heard a lot of horror stories from friends um, who come from, you know, more conservative, more religious families. It just varies so much, you know. It's like a different flavor of, like, homophobia. Do you find that anything is really different from like other parts of the country in terms of like if you're walking down the street there or in certain areas. I mean, I, I don't even want to say something like that, you know, because it, it probably varies so much depending on neighborhood and depending on like what part of the city you're in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it definitely does. And like, it is hard to speak to that. But I will say in terms of like, like women, just like women living in El Paso, there is kind of this uh, experience that we all kind of have, like, I remember, um, in high school, like, we'd, you know, we'd be in our, like, Catholic schoolgirl uniforms, and we would sometimes walk from the high school to, um, our local Lubies, because it was the closest restaurant within walking distance. Your have y'all ever been what? to a Lubies? Yeah. It's, so, it's so bad. A, a Luby? A Lubies. <laughs> okay, so Lubies is, I've like... I've never heard of her. It's, it's so <laughs> itchy. I don't know where it's concentrated i know we have a few in el paso and it's like this cafeteria style food it's oh man i don't want to slander lubies because they it really doesn't held sound me. good <laughs> <laughs> i mean look it held me in high school okay good lubies held that's all we hand. can ask for in high school truly yeah, work, like seriously. you know when you didn't want you didn't you know you're staying I, I was like in theater and we would always stay uh, after hours and we were hungry and none of us brought snacks so we'd go to Luby's um anyway just like walking uh publicly you know down like a thoroughfare with you know we're like 15 16 very clearly like high school girls we would get hollered at like you know men would like slow down and like honk or like yell um and so in that sense it's pretty you know but again like even in Italy like I experienced a lot of street harassment yeah. So it's just like towards it's, women. Yeah, and it's like and like some of it like some of it was just like they were just gassing me up. I said, "Okay, like I'll roll with this." Um <laughs> <laughs> Oh god. I know this is bad. Sorry, I'm being anti-feminist right now. Um 
don't cancel me <laughs> don't cancel me no i uh but as far as like yeah i think it's really difficult to speak to like homophobia i do remember this was like a very impactful moment i was actually at the park with my dad once i think i was like 12 or 13 and i was at the park with my dad and my little brother and there was a lesbian couple and um just like you're very classic like there was a, a butch lesbian and her like femme girlfriend and they were like watching a child like they had brought a kid with them and they were just like, you know, watching over their kid as she played. And I just remember like feeling something. I was like, this is good. Like, this is so good. Um, and no one gave them any trouble from what I could see from when we were there. Um, so I don't know. It it really does. It just varies. Sorry to give such a boring answer, but, you know, it no. just varies by neighborhood. Well, I, and I do want to ask like less about less about just el paso and texas in general but more with your personal experiences mm -hmm. have like a majority of like the comments that you've gotten been more directed towards your presenting female and like your your presented womanhood versus your presented queerness yeah i it's funny that you asked that question it's a really good question because i think um, it is yeah you're really making me think i think you said um, you like theory, girl, so we're going to throw yeah, these words at you. Yeah, you it at me, throwing it at me. But um, I do think that, you know, sometimes you can't, I don't know, in my experience. Differentiate like, when the I'm with two. a girl and whether we are like a couple or not, I tend, we tend to be, if I'm, you know, walking alongside a friend even and she's more like feminine looking or presenting, um, sometimes I do get the vibe that people do assume that we are together, even if we're not. And I have actually um, experienced, um, somebody called me the F slur and I was like, oh, did they think I was just like a cute gay boy? Like, you know, I, I didn't know. Cause like, I, <laughs> yeah. sir, are yeah. you okay? Is this a crack I mean, for I help? I don't think I've ever really heard that, yeah, screamed at, like, a... Women, particularly. Yeah, boy, I, I will jump in there and say, I, I, I yes, I, I haven't heard it, but I was reading some, like, Twitter dialogue between a trans woman and, like, gay guys, and the gay guys have been like, you can't say faggot, like, you're a woman, and they were like, I have been called a faggot more times than you can even imagine yeah. through yeah. my experience, like... It, that is not something that only cisgender uh, cisgender gay men experience. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. It's it's definitely. That's, that's, I just, was, that's a very that's a that very valid point. Just like kind of shook it up for me, and I was like, yeah, mm -hmm. it just kind of shook it up for me. I was like, I guess any queer person really gets called a faggot. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's fair game if you're perceived as like um, outside of that kind of strict binary in any way. So, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, I have had little instances of homophobia and things like that. I think that we're all kind of used to, but sometimes I do get catcalled just like as a woman. And that's generally when I'm dressed more um, femininely. So um, but it is kind of hard to separate because it's like, when is it? When is it? Is this is there an element of like, oh, let me mess with this like lesbian type of harassment because you know people assume if you're a woman who doesn't present you know femininely that oh you're automatically a lesbian that's what straight people think um so mm -hmm. you know yeah well i mean you said in the beginning even that you think that um what did you say gender and and sexuality are what did you i think that you said that they're like kind of intertwined in a way yeah they're like pretty i think in a lot of instances they're pretty inextricable um and i know that it is kind of like 
not popular, but it is kind of like a mantra that we kind of repeat that like, oh, gender and sex are two different things. Like gender and sex are two different things. Um, I think like, especially like liberals like to kind of say that because it um, helps them understand uh, trans people, you know, mm-hmm. for them to be like, oh, well, it's just that their gender identity doesn't match their sex. But yeah, I don't know. I really think that um, it's a lot more complicated than that. Just like I think gayness itself is a lot more complicated than like, oh, you were born gay, which has also been like a rallying cry. I do think that I think it's kind of reductive to say that you're either born gay or you're not. Yeah, I think your experiences it's kind of like the nature versus nurture thing, right? Like I do. Exactly. Yeah. Like your experiences can be formative about your sexuality and your gender. So gender was taught to me as a social construct. It's it's the way that like society is created um, and puts you into these boxes. It does come from this good place of trying to like understand and not, um, I guess, like other uh, gay people or even trans people. But it kind of I don't know. I feel like it's it's very reductive and it doesn't really speak to I think most people, most like LGBT people's experiences, you know, I think there's been a lot more popularity in more mainstream circles of talks of fluidity on so many different levels that I think is more starting to get there. I don't even think I definitely myself do not understand all the complex nature of it, natures of it all and all the interconnectedness of it all. And I, I don't know if there is a way to perfectly really understand it all, but yeah, looking at it from like a fluidity or fluid standpoint has really helped me to kind of not reduce things down to like particular boxes or specific specific identities, but that like it's all a big puddle and you know, some peoples are more clear than others and some peoples are not. And that doesn't make it any less of a puddle. Yeah, for sure. And I think this is really mostly like cisgender straight people trying to like make sense of, you know, LGBTQ people um, by like just trying to distill it into these like super easy categories. The human experience is messy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just messy. So what was being queer in an all girls Catholic school like? <laughs> Speaking of messy, just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> um, I honestly um, think it was like really affirming for me um, to be in that kind of environment. And it made me a more confident speaker and it made me more confident in like my politics. Definitely. I think I felt so, I guess, like supported not to be not to like stereotype women is like inherently like cuddly and like nice and sweet and supportive. But I think there was a little bit more freedom growing up in public school where like it was, you know, boys and girls, the boys tended to speak a lot more. And then, you know, in all girls school, we kind of like didn't have a choice. And then as far as like, you know, like sexuality goes, teenage girls are horny and (laughs) you know, like they're super horny. I know that we talk a lot about how teenage boys are like super horny, but like teen girls too. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it was super common for girls to date the boys from the like kind of like the brother school because there was a, an all boys Catholic school pretty close by. I was friends with girls who were just kind of in these casual arrangements with each other while they also had boyfriends. And interesting. <laughs> yeah. <And it's... laughs> what? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was pretty um it was pretty interesting i remember it's pretty adult for, for... yeah no yeah. absolutely pretty adult and i think it was like you know not to like speculate too much but i think it was kind of like almost this like different world because like you know 
like straight teen boys don't really know what they're doing which like none of us do but i think that i don't think queer teen boys know what they're doing either you're right (laughs) definitely not it's just young boys are just like i don't think boys period know what they're doing (laughs) no no yeah even like even men our age like some of them they just still don't know what they're doing um that is true yeah unfortunately but (laughs) at the time it was kind of like sex positivity was like super in like at a catholic school like i would have to say well the nuns didn't know matthew yeah the nuns didn't know (laughs) were there actually nuns there yeah our our headmistress was a nun and she actually i got in trouble one day i got called out of math class um because she thought that my facebook header like my photo was a photo of me but it was a photo of selena in her like her bra her sparkly bra performing <laughs> yeah and she was like yeah and she called me and she was like i don't think your parents would really appreciate this photo of you on facebook and i was like um sister like, bitch you think that's me okay yeah, I was like, <laughs> I, first of all thank you so much yes, thank <laughs> you <laughs> i literally that's what i said i said first of all sister i'm really flattered that you think that's me but um (laughs) that's not me that's selena and then she was like who and i was like ma'am you've been a nun in the southwest for how long like how do you not know Uh, who selena is anyway she had to have been white right yes god bless her (laughs) god bless her um you know i remember there was a situation where i was in I was in a school play. I was a sophomore in high school. I was 15 years old. And um, we would have the boys from the all boys school like come in and like supplement roles that we needed boys for. But this particular play we were doing was like an all girls play. And like we were all sisters in this play. Things got a little wild. Um, I found out later the rest of my like castmates had like placed a bet on who could like take my first kiss like that was like the and i didn't know it's like an abc family movie frankly i was like you guys like why would you do this to me this is so corny but whatever um they were successful one of them well one of them was successful two of them were successful um it was pretty funny like we had a sleepover at my house it was the three of us I knew that these two girls were kind of like engaged in a relationship, kind of like one of those casual things, arrangements that I mentioned before, like Uh. they both had boyfriends or one of them had a boyfriend, but they were like, they were best friends, but they would also casually sleep with each other. And I I should have gone to Catholic school. (laughs) This is the gayest Catholic school ever. (laughs) It really is. And I have so many more stories, but yeah, essentially I ended up having my first and second kiss early that morning. Um, and then I had to like sit at the breakfast table and like my mom had made us this like beautiful breakfast and I was just like, I was like, my God, you're like, I don't deserve what's going on. (laughs) I was like, I was like staring at her fine China. I was like, I can't believe I'm, (laughs) I've crossed the boundary. Um, there's no going back. There's no going back. She, she knows she has to know. I was like, she has to feel this stuff. And these two girls, it was so funny. These girls were pros. They were so normal. They were like, oh my God, thank you so much, Mrs. Ortiz. Like, this is so good. Like, blah, blah, blah. I was like, how can you speak? How can you look at her in the face? That's so funny. Um, just cute little anecdotes like that. At the time I was like having a crisis. I was like, I'm a bad. Oh, absolutely. I'm bad. Like, but it was fine how old were you i was 15 15. these girls were a little older they were they were only a year ahead of me two years ahead of me oh so they went into this like on a mission yeah they really did and i had no clue about it 
And then afterwards, they, like, told me, they were like, yeah, haha, we had this, like, this bet going with, like, and then they named a few of the other girls in the cast. And I was like, and they were all upperclassmen. I said. That's, like, borderline, like, bullying. It is, is it bullying, not? right? I felt that yeah. way. I was like, why are they so mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> why do but they like, hate do me? Do they like me? <laughs> but, they, but as long why as they, they express their hatred through kissing me, I guess it's okay. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> oh, they want to kiss me so bad. No, it's, yeah, it was like, it was like cute and fun. I look back on that fondly now. At the time, I was having a crisis, but yeah. You know, I but um, <laughs> I remember one time I and this is I was in charge of like I had to like clear out the theater for something during like a lunch hour and I walked into the theater the doors were unlocked these two girls were just going at it these underclassmen I think they were like freshmen I was like a lot of okay. pentapormons like, at this fucking like, building <laughs> I was like I am going to come back in five minutes but you guys have to go like you can't be in here. Like, I'll give you five minutes, but You're you gotta go. You're such a buzzkill. I know, I really was. I should have let them keep going. It's just, I had I to know. set up for something. Otherwise, I would have let them, like, be. I would have pretended that I'd never... And then one of the girls was like, oh, I was... I was helping her find her book, and I was like, why are you... You're like, yeah, in the back of her throat? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, they were doing more than kissing. I'll tell you that. Um, yes. anyway. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, I was picturing more than kissing. <laughs> I have never heard of a Catholic school in the with more like gay sexual liberation. Honestly, well, maybe this girls. is just the first Catholic school that's ever talked about it. What if every Catholic this school is, is like this? This is true. Catholic school confidential. I'm telling wow. you. Wow. Oh my god. Make it an Instagram page. I will absolutely I mean, make it a podcast. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> just the yeah. stories. I would I absolutely listen. I would talk to people about, you know, about, like, LGBTQ issues and things like that. And that was because, like, a lot of girls, I was around these girls, and some of them did already identify as, like, bi or, like, lesbian. And, like, even girls that, like, hadn't come out. Like, I remember, like, one or two straight girls, like, confessing to me, oh, I didn't even know you were, like, into girls. It must have been the environment. Charged Catholic school girl vibes. Well, I think that's interesting, actually, because I feel like as I've gotten older and I've gotten to know a lot of queer women who are now lesbians, I f from the people that I know, a lot of people didn't realize it until they had kind of like that experimental phase and a lot of people really suppressed it until a lot later. I think that a lot of from the people that I know, and this is definitely a generalization and just like just true to me, I feel like a lot of the queer men that I've talked to have been like oh yeah I've kind of known forever forever and then a lot of the queer women that I've talked to have been like oh yeah I like I never thought that I could have been lesbian and now I can never go back and I'm like well definitely have like heard different things um, I remember freshman year one of my close friends came out to me as a lesbian and I was like whoa like and I remember her telling me yeah I've known since like preschool and I was like that's crazy that is crazy I I have not been one who's known for that long I mean I knew in like sixth grade fifth or sixth grade when people say they've like they've known since preschool I'm like what oh I knew since preschool like how do you know those things I mean I was always attracted to like everybody I think but I was like I always recognized that I like had crushes on guys and girls but it was it was more just like I thought people I was like they're really cute and you know, it was because it was, I was yeah. four or whatever. When I say like people I know have come out later, I'm talking about like 25 year old women are like, wow, I just kissed a girl for the first time and now this is amazing. Yeah. And I definitely can see how that would be super common for women. I mean, at least I've read that like a lot of women kind of feel this like, and I felt it too. You, you feel like, oh, as a woman, you have to like be attracted to men, right? 
that's like what's expected yeah. of you and so that's society right pressure. and so sometimes that societal pressure just like trumps any sort of like inclination that you yeah because i'm sure there are a lot of like straight women who were like you know they're living as straight women and whatever but like if they were to have an experience with a woman they'd be like oh my god wait actually now i know why why i was never into men that much like why i never liked my boyfriends that much it's because i'm a lesbian you know i think it's definitely a lot more common than than we see i also am curious i would love to hear a little bit more about how you kind of figured it out because you said when you were 12 or 11 or 12 you were like no no no, i'm not a lesbian which is like normal for yeah woman. and then you said you then you said you went full-fedged like i'm a lesbian and then you said now you identify more as bisexual and i'm curious yeah. how you like figure that out and what that progression was like yeah i've definitely thought about it a lot um i do remember you know my mom asked me at the middle school and then in high school i kind of i had these experiences with girls but um, there was a point, I think it was my junior year, where I was like, oh my god, I need to date a man. Like, all my, like, I need to date a boy. Any boy. Like, no, I just you gotta, don't. I gotta date a boy. Yeah, I just, my, all my friends were, and I was like... Junior year of high like, school. Yeah, I was like, I have to be normal. It was like, maybe like the summer before my junior year of high school. I was like, okay, all my friends are like in relationships with boys. Like, I need to catch up. Like, I started seeing um, this guy who's totally corny, just like had a six-pack was not into him in any way, shape, or form. Like, he was handsome or whatever, but, like, he would speak, and I would just kind of, like, tune him out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I remember he, he came over to, like, study once, and we were, like, studying or whatever, and um, he, like, leaned over to try to kiss me on the mouth, and I went, um, And then after that, he, like, texted me. He was like, I don't think we should see each other anymore. And I was like, that's true. Oh, well. You're like, uh, okay. I said, what can you do? Yeah. What about um, we gave it away? Yeah. And then I did date. Um, I did get into like a serious relationship. And she at the time, so my junior year, I got into a serious relationship. And she at the time had not come out as a woman yet. Um, and so, yeah. And so we were together for two years until like graduation. And... Our dynamic was never that of like a straight couple is all I will say about that. And so later after, because we were both going to different colleges, we we're like, okay, so we broke up and then she came out as a woman. And I said, go off. Like, I You're love like, that you. You're like, you know what? This makes a little more sense for on both of our ends. <laughs> I said, it. that explains a lot about us and our dynamic. And I'm like happy that you are comfortable enough to like embrace who you truly are. You know, I was really happy for her. And I remember people were so, like, I guess you could say weirded out by how, like, chill I was about it because they expected me to be, I guess, like, condemn it or something or, like, act (laughs) like it was, you know, because this was 2014. The public discourse then wasn't how it is now about trans people. Yeah, totally. Yeah, still, like, kind of this, like, alien idea, this, like, oh, this is wrong, you know, this is kind of, like, even people who wouldn't necessarily call themselves homophobic are still, like, oh, like, what is this? So I remember, like, people that I had gone to high school with were like, did you know that your ex, like, blah, 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 and be like, yeah, isn't she hot? Like, go off. So happy for her. What do you want me to say? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. like, I'm so happy for her. Like, whatever. Um, And... Like, why are you baiting me to be a dick? I love when people do that and they're like, well, aren't you mad? And you're like, this has absolutely nothing to do with me. Like, this is their life. Like, why would I be mad about something that has absolutely nothing to do with me? It doesn't invalidate our relationship at all. Right. And, like... I don't know. It was just like funny, that kind of reaction. And like my family 
really took it in stride because like um, she became close with my family, of course, like dating for two years. Um, and actually, my my mom was like pretty upset with me for breaking up with her because she like loved her. Um, yeah. And then after like the summer after, I remember I was like, oh, I ran into your ex. Like, you know, like let her know if she like ever wants help with her makeup. Like I would love to do her makeup, like whatever, you know, just that's yeah. so cute. Oh, it's really, yeah. Like it's really sweet. Um, but it's like, that's like the baseline level of support that we should be showing like trans You're people. like, mom, are you saying that yeah, her makeup is totally. bad? Yeah. Like, <laughs> excuse me. What are you implying? No, my mom just loves, she like loves like doing makeovers to people. And like, she's very much like a glam lady. So, I love that. Yeah. So, Oh yeah, you said she was a model and, a, and like a, a pat. Did you say pageant queen? She no, she wasn't a pageant queen, but she was a cheerleader. She was almost cheerleader, a Lakers cheerleader, cheerleader. Fun fact. Wow, good for her. Wow, very very beautiful lady. I did appreciate something that you just said. Actually, it was like it was a little bit of a read for me and Aaron, but it was very much deserved. That that's like kind of like the baseline level of support that we should be giving trans people, and that it's like it is telling that our reaction to someone reacting positively to a young trans person is to be like, Oh, like that's awesome. That's so good that they did the bare minimum. Like that. I mean, I think, I think that is a very valid point. Yeah. I mean, I think it still speaks to the world that we live in and like, yeah, public discourse has come far since 2014, but it still has like a long way to go, even in like so-called progressive groups and people, you know, I, you know, would like to think that I'm able to speak well and positively towards trans people. They have all the respect and support they could possibly get from me, but I clearly am not, I still am not where I need to be in terms of supporting and demanding what's right for them. I mean, that's also just a very cute thing, Matthew. <laughs> no, it is, of course, of course, no, but is, I think it, it speaks to a larger It, a it larger does. Thing. I totally yeah. know what you're saying. Yeah, I like, totally I, know what you're I saying. I think, you know, don't, like, drag yourself too much, too, because I feel like no, we... Not, not say yeah, that, yeah, but. but, like, I think it's, like, it also... It's just, like, generally, like, having that reaction is pretty normal because, like, we live in a world that's so hostile to trans yeah. people, to people who don't conform to the gender binary or who, you know, don't appear gender-conforming. So, like, I do think it's, like, pretty, it is pretty remarkable in terms of, like, it's not so common. It's not as common as it should be for that to be normal response, for sure. You know, not to, like, draw broad generalizations about Texas, especially because El Paso is a pretty, like, liberal place. Yeah, I think it is worth, like, you know, it's worth celebrating a little bit. Definitely. Absolutely. Also, like, the personal connection there, too, is what I think is really yeah. cute. That your mom just, like, wanted to keep that going and was just, like, I love yeah. that. It is. And uh, now me and my ex are, like, on super good terms. She is thriving. She's living her best life. Um, and, yeah, I'm just, like, really happy for her. I love That's that. Great. Is there anything that you don't think we've talked about yet that you want to chat about? I don't know if you've been looking at, like, my Instagram stories. I have been so mad. <laughs> just like generally <laughs> just like always ranting about things always mad about things. fill me in i've missed everything yes um so what's making you mad um just god just everything but like right now i can say right now i think since the news came out and i'm gonna go to to politics i'm so sorry but um as far as kamala harris being named as the vp candidate the responses have been so like exhausting i think yes it's um, a good word for it on one hand like Black women, black people are, like, recognizing that this is, like, historic, kind of similarly to the way that President Obama was historic. But then it's, like, 
And this is also kind of something that I've seen like white liberals do specifically to just kind of like let that like, yes, girl, it instead of like, okay, wait, maybe we should be examining what the record of this person who is who might be the vice president. It's a very complex issue. I have been very interested to hear your thoughts on like the discourse around like you know as bad or as much as we need to examine her record should we should we still be voting for her and biden in november right it's like i'm not voting for the pence oh yeah no absolutely not that <laughs> no we don't we don't endorse that oh my god god no. terrifying god, terrifying no. i think it speaks to like a broader issue of this way that we kind of have forgotten what's happened even in like the past five to seven years or five to ten years and i think that because trump has been so like obviously just like awful and like doesn't disguise it in any way like these policies that he's pushing so openly and blatantly like you know fascist we've kind of done this thing where we do a little bit of historical revisionism and we kind of gloss over and smooth over what happened under the Obama administration, under George W. Bush. I have seen some truly unhinged takes by like liberals who were like, wow, we really had a good thing going with Bush. I can't believe we, we roasted him so hard. And I'm like, oh, oh God. <laughs> the bar yeah. just gets lower and lower and yeah. lower. Well, it's just like comparing the two is, is like what's doing the disservice. Of course, Bush isn't that bad in comparison to Trump, but that doesn't make him a great leader by any means. And even then, I would have to disagree on that because if you look at the material records of like like George W. Bush, like post 9-11 war on terror, I mean, mm. the way that that has just ravaged, I mean, it's it has been at the expense of like marginalized Americans for sure, but mostly it's been at the expense of the rest of the world, like the global South period, just like our post 9-11 policies and the way that George W. Bush and um, Obama, how they expanded these like these executive powers as a response to like terrorism, as a response to 9-11 and how Trump inherited this office with all these expanded powers. I think we can't forget who made way for that, who politically benefits from that, has been benefiting from that. It's wrong to kind of look at this and to look at Trump as some sort of like isolated sort of disaster. He's just the natural continuation, I feel. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think he he's a natural continuation, but to like the umpteenth degree, like he, he doesn't hide his policies or his viewpoints or what he's doing the way that past presidents have been really successful at. So I think that's kind of where people kind of view it as like an isolated event and they're like, oh my God, no one has ever spoken like this before. It's because they've they've spoken through their actions and it's a lot easier to miss that. Bringing it back a little bit to Kamala Harris, I mean, is your viewpoint that we need to critique and continue to want better for ourselves and for our candidates but when it's all said and done, like, you should still be voting for her? Yeah, I mean, generally, yeah. Um, but I don't think voting for a presidential candidate, for me, at least in my view, it is probably the lowest form of political particip participation that one can engage in. Like, just generally, as an American, our electoral politics are a complete joke. And <laughs> yeah, you think? <laughs> yeah, just, I mean, we know this. Um, and, like, also... I do have sort of this thing about the Democratic Party, the way that they exploit communities of color and the way that they're like essentially like vote for us or you're gonna fucking die like 
it's, it's either yeah and it's like it's so when you really break down democratic policies and republic like republican policies like what the different policies that these people are pushing most of the time you will find that I mean, these people go out to lunch together. These people are at the same parties. They're at the same, they inhabit the same social circles. They have similar levels of wealth. Um, they share these very strong class interests and they're at the end of the day beholden to the same corporations. And so I think when you actually break down the policies, um, I'm not saying that this little difference um, between you know Republicans and Democrats means nothing because it does mean something and it does uh, cost lives for sure. We're kind of in this cycle that we refuse to break of, you know, getting these like awful Republican presidents, you know, it's kind of like the pendulum. It swings left, it swings right. And I think we lose sight of the fact that we shouldn't be living in a system like this that only gives us two parties that are mostly beholden to the same interests um, and essentially have very, just very similar policies. I think we need to demand more, not just out of our candidates, but out of this like political system that controls our lives. You know, it's not necessarily about reform, but about a total, just a radical restructuring. We're still uh, being controlled by this system that was put in place by certain people to uphold certain interests. And that just doesn't reflect our current realities anymore. No, I totally agree. I mean, I think that our current system it, whatever way you want to look at it, at the end of the day, it's always a, it's an oligarchy and it disguised under the veil of democracy, quote unquote. It's just, it's <laughs> to bring it back to the queer. It's, it's just like gender and sexuality. It's there's no binary. Say that. <laughs> <laughs> this two system party or two yeah. party system. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. It hurt it, at the end of the day, it hurts everybody. But as far as like what we can do, I think that, you know, there's kind of this, um, this strain of like thought of people kind of going, well, you know, if you don't vote, that just shows how privileged you are and how insulated you are from these real issues. You are being selfish by withholding your vote, right? There is kind of this like idea. And I strongly disagree with that, mostly because um, not only like is that totally just like you can't acknowledge the faults of the electoral, um, the electoral college and how like arbitrary and meaningless <laughs> it is. You can't acknowledge that and still think that, not, not still think, but still like shame someone who doesn't want to engage in such a system. Like, I just think it's, you know, it's silly to be like, oh, you didn't vote for Biden, therefore, oh, so you're voting for Trump essentially with your non-vote. It's like, no, the people voting for Trump are the people voting for Trump. But there's kind of this whole idea of like cancel culture or whatever. And they're like, oh, don't cancel Kamala, don't cancel Biden. Um, but I do think it actually speaks to, and actually I was just talking to Nancy about this. Matt, you know Nancy. Erin, you don't know Nancy, but she's lovely. I hope you get to meet her. She's like, yeah, you know, people are saying, oh, it's so privileged of you to not vote. But I think it's super privileged of you to condemn someone for not wanting to vote for Biden or, or Harris because it means that you are totally untouched by the legacy of what they've done like politically already. Biden's long record, I mean, he's been he's been involved in le legislation for so many decades. And then in the, the relatively short amount that Kamala Harris has been involved in, you know, and what she's done in her positions of power has ruined so many people's lives. I mean, there are at least four people sitting in prison right now serving these long sentences that shouldn't be. And sh the ball was in her court to help get them exonerated. And she said, peace out. So 
good luck. Have fun rotting in prison for something that, you know, you probably didn't do. For people who have been touched by mass incarceration, whether it's in your families, I mean, even I feel like you shouldn't even have to be personally affected by the legacy of these two candidates' policies um, and the real harm that they've done to care about them, but it does kind of add an extra layer of, you know, kind of showing how privileged someone is for, you know, pointing a finger at a black person or a, or a Latinx person and saying, oh, well, you're selfish for not wanting to vote for Biden and Kamala, because these are two, especially when it comes to Biden, these are the two groups that have been like most impacted by his 1994 crime bill that he, mm -hmm. you know, engineered. So that's just, that's my view on it. But I do think like there is a solution to all of this. Like I don't, it's not all like doom and gloom. I don't think as long as we keep up, like regardless of who wins this, you know, presidential election, um, I think that as long as people continue this like kind of increase in organizing and local organizing and mutual aid that we've seen under Trump, because I mean, he, his presidency has mobilized a lot of people. And it is something I've noticed even just in El Paso. There are these, you know, organizations that are that are local. Like, for instance, there's um, there's the West Fund um, mm -hmm. in El Paso, which is an abortion fund, which and it seems like such a That's little amazing. thing. Like, what does abortion have to do with? But it's like it's one building block, you know, in this in keeping our communities, um, you know, keeping everyone in our communities safe and healthy and supported. So I think that as long as every local community does organizing, everyone kind of engages with their neighbors. I think that even just doing that is far more politically meaningful than casting a ballot for a presidential candidate. And I feel that way also about local elections, like paying attention to your local candidates and stuff um, is definitely more meaningful than casting a presidential ballot. Because I mean, really at the end of the day, these candidates are presidential candidates for a reason. And that reason is that essentially they will maintain this, the status quo of like the American empire. And that's just kind of like taking a broader look at it, but that's kind of what I yeah. believe. And so I do think that like mutual aid and community organizing is like our only way to like, not only like survive this and weather this, but to kind of form the, lay the foundation of revolution. Hell yeah, I love that. I've never really thought about it that way, but I think you just said it really beautifully and I agree and I, I don't know, I'd vote for you. You're oh, so I'm much smarter than I am. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate um, it. I think it is just about time to kind of wrap this up. Yeah, this has been so good. We've been talking for a hot it's minute, but it's flown by, by so quickly. I, seriously, I mean, once you once you started going on your gay Catholic school, I was just like, talk to me forever. <laughs> this is <Yeah>. so unbelievable. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you all some stories, like not for the podcast. I have so many. Oh I said God. I was like parsing through them. I was like, ooh, what is good to be aired in public? <laughs> is there any last advice that you would give to anyone listening? or to like your younger self or anything like that? Yeah, I guess if I were to give any sort of advice to my younger self or to young people who are still kind of exploring their sexualities or really anyone, is to just don't fall into the trap of just kind of like locking yourself in your room and like watching other people live their lives. Like just go out there and try everything. I think it's the only way to live. I like that. That's I like that too. I feel like I haven't really heard that before. I mean, I did kind of have some experiences like pretty young, but I wish I had like gone out and like, you know, experience like going out more and like engaging with other like openly queer people. Cause I feel like that really kind of opens your eyes 
about yourself. And then Ari, what is something gay that you did this week? What is something gay I did this week? Or oh, I mean, what's, man. what's even the gayest thing you did this week? The queerest thing you did this week? I so have much to pressure. Say, yeah, I that know. is. I have to think about it for a second. Aaron, do you um, want to go first while Ari thinks? Yes, you go first. For sure. I think the gayest thing that I did this week was I finally caught up on Drag Race Canada with my roommate. And it has been hysterical. Gotta love it. Go Priyanka. Obsessed with you. <laughs> That's good. That is pretty. I do have one. It's actually very funny. So right now I am, um, so my partner is a man at the moment. And um, we went to the movies, went to the drive-in movie theater and yeah it was it was really cute it was a double feature it was super cute and um his little brother came um he flew into town and so he went to go to the bathroom and i looked up and i noticed that there was this beautiful woman on like the on the bed of a truck and she was just wearing this like low like bandeau and like these little short shorts and i was like and like my partner was saying something to me and he looks at me and then he looks over and he's like (laughs) (laughs) he's like well (laughs) shit he's like i saw you (laughs) It's like, sorry, oh but she's really hot, right? Like, That's so funny. Anyway, I think that was probably the gayest thing I did this week. Did he agree with you? Was he like, yeah? Yeah, oh, absolutely. He was like, yeah, oh, absolutely. I, I get it, I get it. She's a smoke show. <laughs> oh my gosh. Matt, what's the gayest thing that you did this week? Um, I think the gayest thing I did this week, I was in the car with my mom for like two hours, and um, we listened to music most of the time, and then my mom got a little bored. She was like, do you have any, like, good podcasts or anything we could put on? And I was just looking through the podcast that, like, I listened to. I was like, Mom, do you want to listen to my podcast? And she was like, I already listened to all the episodes. And I was like... <gasps> Did she? Our... She's listened to, I think, a couple of them. Oh, my God. I, That's I, so I, Ellen. cute. <laughs> yeah. Hi, That's Mom. really sweet. I love that. But I instead put on this podcast called Making We're Gay Having History. Gay Sex. Oh. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but shout out to them again. Um... <laughs> No, I put on this podcast called We're Making Gay History, which is this guy who did all these interviews with people who were, like, major figures, whether they are well-known or not, in, like, the queer liberation movement from, like, going all the way back to, like, the 50s and just other really notable queer people. Um, And just taught my mom some gay history straight from the horse's mouth. That's so good. That was pretty cool. I love that. I had to pause them a lot to be like, so this is what this means, this is what this is in reference to, but it was really fun. All right, if people want to find you in a non-stalking way, want to, like, you know, check you out, see what that beautiful shaved head of yours looks like, <laughs> where where can they find you? So they can find me on Instagram. My handle is A-R-I-O-R-T-Z. Love oh, it. There's no I. It's hmm? not... No I. no I, yeah. So it looks oh. like Ari Orts, which is sometimes how people pronounce my last name. Really? Yeah. I'm like, oh, do I like You're German? Like, Would you like to buy a vowel? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah very good. Very good. And there was something else that you plugged at the beginning. Oh, yes. Um, so Mujerisas Collective. We actually do have a free online exhibition right now. Um, you can. There's an optional donation if you want to donate to... Uh, New York City's Make the Road Fund, which is uh, helping um, give aid to workers um, in New York City who, you know, have been laid off because of COVID or, you know, have, you know, they have bills to pay and they need, they have mouths to feed, 
no income. So it's a really good cause if you want to donate a few dollars, but the um, exhibition is free online and you can access it at mujerisascollective.com and that's spelled M-U-J-E-R-I-S-T-A-S-collective.com. Thank you for spelling that. Of course, <laughs> I need to make it clear. Yes. Yeah. Get that promo. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for having me on. This has been super fun. Um, Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, really of course. Did. Super honored. Yeah. And you can find me on Instagram and Twitter, but I went private. Um, at Maddie Brewer. Love that. And you can find me everywhere, <laughs> Aaron Idelson. Um, and you can find our podcast on Instagram at Queering the Air Pod. Thank you again to Ari, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye. See you. Bye. Bye.